Hey, Facebook. Happy Hump Day. It's Wednesday, March 4th, and I'm Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed. Hi, Kim. Hi, Katie. Thank you, guys. So we're ready to get started. Um, tonight, Three Cheers of Joy is brought to you by Dark Horse Cabernet Sauvignon. Got me a nice cab. I've been drinking it a little bit already, so I might have to refill it. That's why I bought the bottle with me. Oh, well. Anyway, so welcome. Let's get started. Three cheers of joy. Mm -mm -mm. Three moments of self-celebration that just meant something especially to you. So let's see. My first celebration this week is we only had to go to school four days this week, Tuesday through Friday. So cheers to having a long weekend and being off on Monday. Excited about that. So cheers to a four-day work week. Mm. My um, second cheer of joy, well, let me back up to that one a little bit. One thing in um, education that we look forward to is having days off. Like, you guys have no idea, especially like in the springtime, it really gets crazy because it's spring and, you know, kids lose their shit and when it's springtime or when it's getting warm. So we're starting to feel the effects of it. And we have a rolling admission. So we're getting new students every day. That's the alternative school. So um, so cheers to a four day week. So four days this week, five days next week, then spring break. Super, super looking forward to that. So I'm going to have a sip to that one one more time. Mm. Yum. So my second cheer of joy is um, I started working on my creative portfolio, right? I've never had a portfolio. I've had a resume, but to have kind of a collective of your kind of creative moments in a space because people start asking questions about what you do and then you want sponsors and you want people to put their money towards you and to support you, you need to have something to show them. So I'm working on my creative portfolio, which is really interesting. So I've never done anything like that. So um, I'm kind of excited about it. I'm kind of don't know what to expect from it. So we're going to see. So cheers to at least thinking forward enough to think I need a portfolio and then taking the steps to put it together. So cheers to that. So my, First cheer of joy was four-day work week. My second cheer of joy was the portfolio. My third cheer of joy is that I did think to bring this wine in here with me because I am going to pour some more in my <laughs> Okay, that's not my third cheer of joy, but I mean, that is important because I would have had to get up to go get some. So I'm going to refill my little wine uh, Yeti and um, with my dark horse Cabernet. Sauvignon, Sauvignon, and you guys know I got the wine, the cab, because it was on sale. That budget is kicking my ass, but you know, it's, it is what it is. I hate to say that, but I need a budget, so now I, I have one. So, um, so let's see. My third cheer of joy is, oh, I've been, since I remember last week, I told you guys I went running on Wednesday morning, or whatever morning that was, I went running. So I've now been exercising every day. So I've literally been exercising almost every day for about two months now. So I feel a lot better. 
a lot more energy. My thoughts are flowing a little better. Um, so that's my definitely my third chair of joy. I think I have already more than 50,000 steps this week. So that's about 17,000 steps a day so far since Monday. So 17,000 a day. I have about an average of 17,000 a day since Monday. So cheers to exercising every day for almost two months. And not like boot camp or anything like that. I'm literally walking. So yesterday I walked about seven miles. Today I probably did about the same. And then that means Monday I did the same too. But I get up in the morning about four. I'll work for about an hour and a half, get dressed, and then I'll go exercise before I need to get dressed to go to work. And then I'll go work, do my regular work stuff and then get off and then I'm coming home and I'm going walking again. So it's really pleasant. It's time to myself. Um, just help me to relax and to kind of stay focused on things I'm trying to do without, you know, getting caught up or being in yucky space. Cause I've been kind of existing in a yucky space that kind of low for a minute and um, I'm glad to be out of it. So I'm feeling good, right? So cheers to that. So my three cheers of joy. The first cheer of joy was four day work week. The second cheer of joy was working on the creative portfolio. And then the third cheer of joy was exercising almost every day for two weeks. So can't knock that. It's got to get some exercise in. So cheers to that. So before I get into the Facebook post of the week, I got to confess something to you guys because I've just been feeling full of shit since it happened. So on the 29th, of February because that's leap year and that's like Sadie Hawkins on that day a woman can ask a man out traditionally old school woman can propose ask a man out blah 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 well I woke up on that day because I wasn't working and I started drinking early and by one o'clock I had sent a text message to faceless love asking him to marry me I know I know, I know. So I kind of proposed, but I don't really know if it's valid. Like he said yes. So that's a plus. He did say yes. But the fact that I did it, I was like, damn, did I propose for real? Like that's fucked up. <laughs> so I had to confess that to you guys who listen to me and you know how I feel about that kind of thing. And he immediately sent me a message saying, to go fix him something to eat just because I proposed doesn't mean that um, we're switching gender roles. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought I'd put that out there just in case you guys hear anything. You know, I was a little tipsy and I did, you know, pop the question via text message. So, and it was on leap year. So, you know, well, what does that even really mean? Anyway, I just had to put it out there. So I may or may not be getting married one day. All depends on what happens you know, sober, what happens? Or his response to it. So he'll plan the wedding, I guess. But anyway, had to put that out there, you know, got to be transparent, open that up. All right. So let's move on. Let's see how I got past that real quick. Just move right on past that. So we're going to move on to our Facebook post of the week. And that's always fun. I got a couple of good ones this week. Um, and of course, I'll tag them on my page. I always say that sometimes I don't tag them. I don't, it's so much stuff I try to do that sometimes I don't get to it. So we're going to talk about these a little bit. So um, in one of my groups, a guy posted, he shared a post and the post said, hurt a woman and she won't be in a relationship for years, 
while men will be in love three months later. Right? So that was the whole post. But the thing about it is men who hurt women aren't in love with them. So it's not the same thing. They don't even go together. So a man who hurts a woman, he's not in love with her. So it's easy for her to hurt because she's actually been damaged. He can go on and fall in love with somebody else because he wasn't in love, period. So that kind of stuff, don't pay attention. That kind of stuff, I was just like, he wasn't in love with her in the first damn place. So that's not a good correlation to make. And we have to keep that in mind. And I've talked about this and um, shared this in some of my writing. When people hurt you, it's in, their intention is to hurt you. When they lie to you, manipulate you, take advantage of you, mistreat you, they've already been planning on that shit. It ain't a surprise. They're, they're not surprised. They know what's happening. They know the intention. You're surprised because you heard and how could you do this to me and blah, 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 blah. The person is surprised by that because they feel like there's love in there. But if somebody hurts you once, they're going to hurt you twice. So, you know, I hate to say that. You want to give people a chance. So what's that? Hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. So you only get really two good opportunities in there. And then the next time you show yourself, it's time to get the fuck on. So you don't stick around and let people misuse you or mistreat you over and over and over. So this wasn't really, to me, a good um, turn of a, a good um, correlation. Because if a man hurts a woman and she's hurt for years after that relationship, and he moves on or he goes to do something else, he wasn't in love with her in the first place. So, you know, you have to kind of own your role in a relationship. So if you feel that way, you got to own your role in the relationship. So you might be in it by yourself. You might think it's something, you know, our minds are very creative and we put a lot of shit together that may not be. So that was that. And then, um, so I kind of responded to that and I was like, he didn't love her anyway. That was my base, my simple response just to shut that down because I hate for people to um, exist in this this space of surprise. Like, I didn't know or I didn't, because, you know, there's always something that tells you. There's always, when something stinks, it stinks. It doesn't automatically, it doesn't start stinking one day. It's been stinking a long time. So when you smell it and it stinks, it stinks. So we just have to go with that. Okay, and then um, on to the next one. So there's a lady on my timeline, and I've used her stuff before because she's just really just a neat lady. Her name is Allison Christie Johnson, and she had a question, and she said on here, no judgment. Okay, so I'm going to read it. What are your thoughts about do it anyway, quote, unquote, do it anyway, when it comes to uh, cohabitational partner spouse consent, right? So when you're in a relationship, living together and married, your partner, right? So that's what that's what she's talking about. So not just your boyfriend, girlfriend, like you're in a shared space. Like there's something that says we're in the next place. Um, for years, I've been a strong proponent for it. Do it anyway, right? But I was basing that off my own sexual experience. 99% of the time, I'm in the mood to some extent or another. And that 1% of the time, when I don't start to get into it in five minutes, 100% uh, of the time, I've been glad that it happened. So she's saying on the time, rare occasion that she's not interested. And, uh, you know, once she goes into it, she enjoys it anyway. So up until a few years ago, I didn't realize how far off that is from most women's experience and telling women to do it anyway was kind of fucked up. 
Mind you, I still personally practice do it anyway, but I no longer give that as a re as reasonable advice. So I took this as relationship advice. I took this to mean that she's saying that she's in a relationship. She's a sexual person. She enjoys it. So she's kind of like, whatever. If I'm not in the mood, once I get it going, I'm going to be in the mood. It's going to be fine. So her thought is, you know, do it anyway. Right. And so I responded saying that I don't, and maybe I'm similar to her in that. I feel like in a healthy sexual relationship, in a healthy relationship where you share unconditionally, and I'm finding out that a lot of them, a lot of relationships aren't like this. And Michelle, you know, I know because I've been in relationships that weren't like that before. And now I'm in a healthy one and I understand what it means to have the unconditional space. So I'm thinking that if you're in a space that you're sharing with someone and he or you want to make love and the other person isn't interested, I think the first step is to figure out for me, if that were me, to figure out, am I not interested because of my partner or am I not interested because of some other shit that's bothering me for the day? Like, do I deny my partner and myself a wonderful sexual experience because I'm pissed off at the bitch I work with? Like, is that enough to control my movements in it? So I think when we are trying to base our our feelings on, because sexual sex is like, love making that carnal connection that freedom of expression in that uninhibited way is almost cleansing in itself to be able to share like that cuz i know for me to be able to make love and enjoy it and have this amazing experience i'm sated and ready to go to sleep after like it's lit it didn't matter what the fuck happened the whole day or month ahead of time to me it's an amazing emotional release <sighs> and just to pass out like that it so maybe it doesn't mean the same thing to other people but as we talked about if somebody's forcing you to do something or you don't want to do something you say no or you feel coerced or you feel obligated that's essentially rape like so we don't want to put ourselves in that position either so i guess the caveat would be what does the sexual relationship mean to you how do you feel about this interaction the sexual interaction with you and your partner that you live with or your husband or your wife somebody that you share with because that's literally the only space that you can go and nobody else is involved in that space right it's kind of like work isn't it's not the work it's not the kids it's not the house it's not the bills it's not the it's really a place that you go to release so that was just really interesting to me because I, I don't know how many people feel that way. Like, I don't know how many people are in relationships and they're like, well, I don't, I don't want to, or I don't feel like it. And if you don't want to, and you don't feel like it, why? Like I, those are questions I'd ask. Like you don't enjoy making love to your wife. You don't enjoy making love to your husband. You don't like shit. What's the, what, what? Like, like that's the stuff I want to know. Like what's the problem that you don't want to. And the funny thing about that, caught that and in leading into my forward thoughts is that 
being single and meeting so many married men, that's one of the things that married men will say that their partner isn't interested necessarily in sex. Like, and how does that work? Like, so I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And I don't know if my ex-husband was that way when we were married. I don't know what his desires were outside of me. However, I have met several married men that they are seeking carnal satisfaction because they feel like they're lacking a carnal uh, connection at home. So that's something we kind of have to play with when you think about being in a relationship and, you know, making love to your partner. What does it mean to make love to them, to hell, cook for them, to clean for them, to take care of them? How are you sharing yourself? And do you feel like it's, you know, you don't want to. And if you feel like you don't want to, or you feel like you're not connected or you're unhappy or you're resentful or whatever, you really need to kind of start taking it apart to see why. So I was just kind of looking at that. And I think that, I think that it's important to be healthy in your own sexual self prior to sharing with someone else. And if your partner is trying to get you or pressure you into doing things you don't want to do, sex that you don't want or you don't you're not comfortable with you kind of have to reevaluate those things too so thank you allison christie johnson for that um and i don't know that anybody's ever asked me my opinion about do it anyway uh other than when men you know talk about it i'm just like well you know you got to take care of yourself you got to take care of your family how do you keep everybody um safe right how do you keep your wife safe your children safe if you're going to go out and you know develop a relationship or have this sexual encounter with somebody else and we all know for men sexual encounters don't equate to love so we're not even getting into that topic tonight because that in itself is crazy but a lot of women you know definitely want to put love on it and you know whatever and it shit don't mean nothing to men so um Allison Christie Johnson, thank you for that. That's a whole conversation. We might talk a little bit about that later in the show. All right, so um, my third one was posted just a minute ago by Cindy, Cindy Waring. And um, this is funny because it just kind of goes in line with this. It says, stop trying to decide who wears the pants in your relationship. Relationships work much better when no one wears pants. Hashtag married life, hashtag no pants. So, you know, it's just trying to be a little flippant and keeping that connection with your partner because no one else is involved in that um, sacred sexual space. Um, and that means a lot. It, it means a lot to everybody. Hell, we talked about Maslow and we know that sex in itself is a basic need, a basic physical need that you don't have to do anything to have the desire for it, it just comes. So sex in itself is a just a basic human need and it's when you get to an evolved sense of who you are that you get to the intimacy that you need something else. And, and we have to evaluate ourselves in those situations. You know, that's just how it goes. So those are my Facebook posts of the week. So thank you, Cindy, Allison, Chris Johnson, and who else was that? Reggie J. So I appreciate all of you and your cool um uh facebook post oh and the last one this is the one i meant to read first and this one is from jc he has a youtube channel called everyday thoughts with jc i believe i used to go live with him he hasn't asked me to do that in a while so i'm not sure if he's still doing it or not but um 
he made a post that says, if a man has multiple children whom he don't take care of, why would you allow yourself to get pregnant by him? Everyday thought, hashtag everyday thoughts. So, you know, that's a tricky question. Um, people who have kids by um, multiple men or, you know, men who have kids by multiple women, whatever it is. Like, so you kind of think that people go into these relationships with the idea that there's trust in it, there's trust in it, and there's love in it. And, um, and I know for a lot of times, women feel like they're believing in the men, right? So they're believing because men, especially Black American men, um, definitely go on a rampage about how nobody supports them, everybody's down on them, and the sob story, you know, why, 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 you know, that kind of thing. So women hear those things, and they want to show the men that I trust you, I support you, I got you, I want to ride or die. I mean, women go hard in that, and that makes you vulnerable, and, you know, you can't say all that stuff, and then you're not having, you know, then you're asking to have protected sex. So you're putting yourself there because you think this man that you're taking care of is going to take care of you and is open to having a child with you, even if he has multiple kids somewhere else. So I think that when people show you, men or women, show you that they're irresponsible and they don't have any integrity, when they show you up front, and it doesn't take long, hell, less than what, two weeks to find out somebody's irresponsible? Yeah, because if they're responsible and have integrity, it only takes 14 days to make it a habit. So if they are, you know, then it's who they are. But if they aren't, it shows rather quickly. Um, and, you know, if you know that about somebody, then you don't get into a lifelong commitment of raising a child with them. You know, everybody wants to be loved and everybody wants to love and everybody wants to find someone just for them. And we have to be just really careful um, in how we share ourselves. And not, you know, I could talk about that aspect of it so much because I work in an environment where I deal with kids every day that don't know their dad. They don't know their dad and their mom's in jail and they're in foster care or they're raised by an aunt or they're by a grand. Like I hear the worst fucking stories about the kids from the kids about their lives that it's heart wrenching. And then, you know, the, fucked up thing is that it's an adult person that's put them in this situation and they just have to deal with it you know so you know we we just have to be careful we have to be responsible for our bodies like we have to uh, and i i'll say this not to place there's there isn't any blame to place anywhere but i knew early on how to get pregnant. I knew that there was a small window to get pregnant every month. But I've talked to women in their late 20s, early 30s who don't know that. Like they don't know their bodies well enough to know that they can control when they get pregnant outside of wearing a condom. They don't know like, you know, so that kind of stuff to me is like, well, shit, why do you not know that? How do you, so that's my thought. How do you not know that? It's your body. You don't know how your body works. But, it, you know, it's a lot of people that don't. You know, it's taboo to talk about in the house. Um, and then you find yourself pregnant. You know, you don't want to have an abortion. You don't want to, you know, you go through all these a mental kind of tweak on even having an abortion. So, but I'm telling you, I deal with these kids every day. I have a student that's 
14 or 15. Hell, she already has a baby that's almost a year old. She's got a sister younger than her that's pregnant by a relative. You know, so it's bullshit happening. These kids have zero direction. What they know is if a bitch fuck with them, they're ready to fight. They know how to fight. They, that's it. They know how to fight. Rational decision-making, critical thinking, none of it, like nothing, nothing. And it, and it's just like, what do you, what, what am I supposed to do? Like you come and you got all this and I'm supposed to teach you science, right? So, you know, it's hard. It's, it's tough and people need to, adults need to take a little more responsibility and bringing a child here that you know you don't fucking want or a child that you're going to neglect or not take care of adult needs to take that additional responsibility to protect themselves and a child and that's easy then do what you need to do not have a child wear a condom take birth control pills get the little um thing in your arm i forgot the implant in your arm like hell you know i don't whatever the thing is now but it's like if these kids are struggling, these kids are suffering out here, and it's all because they have not connected to anybody that's shown them any kind of love, anything. So, um, so that was JC's comment talking about, and he the way see the thing that gets me with these questions are posed is like, it's the woman's fault that it's not a shared responsibility that he could have done something and she could have done something. It's why do you keep getting pregnant by it's almost absolving the man of a responsibility in the action because she should have done something. Well, hell he could have done something too. He knows he's already got kids that he doesn't take care of and he doesn't want. Why is he going to put himself in a situation to have more kids. Now, I don't know if men don't know how people get pregnant. I don't know if they realize that there's active sperm in their ejaculate. Like, how do they know? I've, I've never met, had a man to tell me. I don't know how women get pregnant. I don't know how I contribute to it. So maybe they know, maybe they don't know. But I think that there should be definitely a shared understanding of who needs to do what to avoid having a baby. And also, having a getting pregnant by somebody doesn't make them love you or want to be with you anymore or any less <laughs> shit like that's not it like they may be like fuck or having a baby but that doesn't make them look at you you don't they don't look at you and think oh my gosh i love you so much yesterday i was just over here to fuck you and now you're pregnant and oh my god i love you that's not how that works uh, no Sorry. So, you know, we just have to really be careful. And, you know, adults can do whatever they want to do. But when you start thinking about the kids who aren't who aren't getting the attention they need, aren't getting the resources they need, then that's when you know that there's a strain on the situation itself. And it's a difficult road to toe. And these kids are struggling, struggling desperately trying to figure out what the fuck to do next lost so you know that was a comment from jc and i'll have you know that's a tough place to be in and i think with all the information we have now why are we still bringing kids here without 
people who want them here. I mean, it's easy to get some resources to not have a baby now. You know, it's easy to be on the pill or get an implant. A lot of that shit is still free. Go to the clinic. I know when I was 15 and I decided I was going to be on birth control, even before I had somebody to have sex with, I knew I was going to have sex. I knew it. I knew how to get pregnant because my mama used to say, don't bring no babies in here. I knew then, and we're talking in the 80s. We're talking 80s. So I knew if I could go and get birth control in the clinic by myself, then I know there is access to resources now to stop people from, you know, fucking. Or not stop them from fucking, but shit, from getting pregnant. Like, what the hell? Get some condoms. My son is 17. Hell, I don't even ask him. Let me tell you how this works. I don't even ask him. I don't need to know that he's sexually active. That's not anything I need to know. What I need to know is that when we walk in CVS and we're buying our supplies, lotion, soap, lip gloss, you know, I love my lip gloss, whatever, fingernail polish, we're buying our stuff and he's getting his stuff and he dropped that box of condom, condoms in there with the stuff. That's what I need to know. I need to know that he's buying condoms because I've already given him enough information ahead of time to what it looks like to protect himself in a situation. So I don't, I don't have to talk to him anymore. I've already talked to him. So now, and we've even been out to eat and he'll say, mom, I need to go by the store. I'm like, ask questions, no questions. And to stop him from feeling like he can't get them when we're together or if he needs to get them when he's out on his own, then I make sure he has money available to go and buy the shit he needs to buy. Like, that's my role as mom, to make sure that he's okay until he can take care of himself. But we have a lot of kids out here who don't have that access, who don't have somebody to make sure that they're okay. They're out there and the sexual desire, You like I said before, you don't have to do anything for that shit to come. You wake up one day and you're like, I'd really like for something to be right in that space right there. I like it when I touch it right there. So. I need somebody else to be there. And that's something that our kids learn. It's a basic physiological need. It's a basic physical need that just fucking comes. So if we aren't putting our children in a situation or position to take care of themselves, and you know that you don't want a child, and you know, and I know it's underhanded people out there. I know it's underhanded men out there that want to get somebody pregnant. God knows why. I don't know. I know it's underhanded women out there that want to trap a man. I don't know why. Like, I, none of that shit makes sense to me. It sounds like a whole lifetime of bullshit, but it happens. It happens. But we have to make sure that you are aware of what's going on with you and not trust somebody with you, right? So, you know, JC put that out there and, you know, why do the women do this? And, you know, whatever. It's not just the women, it's the men too. Hell, it's easy for a man to put on a condom and go. And I know people say, oh, it doesn't feel the same with a condom. Blah, 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 blah. Guess what? Having a damn child for 18 years and then their child that you could possibly be taking care of, a condom don't feel so bad after all, does it? <laughs> You like, damn, I should have wore that condom. And you hear people talk, damn, I should have swallowed that. Like, you hear people say all kinds of shit after the fact. But leading up to that shit, 
you think you're getting it and it's all good and then a baby comes and nobody wants the baby and the baby ends up in foster care the baby ends up in the system shit can't read nobody taught it anything never received any love shit them kids suffering and maybe you don't have to deal with the kids but when i see them man listen and they are struggling right they are struggling academically they come to, we have kids that come to school and eat lunch and may not eat again until the next day like ain't nobody feeding them man it's a mess it is a slap ass mess right so whatever and a lot of black american kids most of my kids in school are black american kids i have black american kids i have mexican kids and a few white american kids and that's it ain't no asian kids in there none and uh very few white american kids maybe one white american girl maybe three white american boys but we're talking out of 120 kids and you talk about black american men crazy numbers black american girls less but the black american men make up probably half little half maybe even more than half and then you know we deal with a they got a, a litany of issues that come along with being a black american man being raised in a single parent home or only being raised around women struggling and you think and i think that's why i look at people the way i look at them because i look at these kids and think wow what are they going to look like as adults imagine them out trying to date and trying to blend in and all they got is some basic ass physical needs and they trying to meet somebody who's on the up and up on the up and coming and they they ain't got no hustle they waiting for somebody to feed them buy their clothes take care of them because that's what somebody has done for them there's nobody has given them leeway to grow up it's a, it's a mess and it's men out there now that's grew up in the same damn thing i had a little black boy today tell me Oh, I can't sit down. I got ADHD. I got a, I said I have ADHD too. And guess what? You still have to grow up. But that's been an excuse he's been able to use over and over to get what he wants, to be able to do and get a pass on shit. I hold people accountable, ADHD or not. You still got to grow the fuck up. You still gonna have to get a job. You still got to take care of yourself. Ain't no excuses. Men don't make excuses. And I say that shit all the time. They don't know what to do with that. So but whatever i'm a, i didn't that's i didn't even mean to get on that soapbox tonight <laughs> but those kids they weigh on me heavy because ain't nobody taking care of them which leads me to moving on which leads to a um a netflix special i haven't watched yet and i'm gonna wait and watch it with um Faceless love, I think, because I don't know if I want to watch it by myself, which leads me to that based on, you know, that conversation just flowed right in. It's the trial of Gabriel Fernandez. Has anybody watched that? The little boy, he was um, eight years old, I believe. Yeah, he was eight years old. He was tortured and killed by his mom and her boyfriend, right? So... I haven't watched the special, but I did go online to read about it because I needed to see what it was about before I started watching it. Because, you know, it's got a little boy's picture on there. And I was like, well, I want to read, watch the freaky shit. Like this, you know, I have to keep it together. But anyway, so the little boy was um, eight years old. And so they say, based on the doc the court documents and stuff that I read, is that 
mom and her boyfriend were torturing him, beating him because he showed, they said he showed tendency to be gay. Mm -hmm. That's what they said. So we talked about a little bitty child. They done beat the fuck out of to death. This happens all the time. These they want no damn babies. You think they care. When you can mistreat your kid because you think they're going to be gay. Because you think it. You ain't want no damn kids. <laughs> ain't nothing to lose. So the boyfriend is on death row. And the mom took a plea deal. And she's in prison for life without a chance of parole. So she's just not going to have access to... Um, I guess the electric chair or, you know, death penalty. So, but either way, and that's, they doing the trial. They're telling the story of it about this child and brothers and sisters and, you know, all of that and stuff that he went through. And it was my CF caseworker who had been signed the case, hadn't report, didn't report something or wasn't checking enough. And they even filed charges on that um, caseworker too some negligence or something, you know, whatever the charges were. So it was a big deal. And it happened a few years ago, probably about seven years ago. Um, <clears throat> so about seven years ago. But there's some freaky shit out there. People crazy. And they mistreat. Let me tell you, you got, if you have the gumption to mistreat a child, there's no fucking way I would trust you with me. If you, a child, man, what does the Bible even say? God take care of fools and babies. Like the babies get taken care of if nobody. If you are an adult person and you mistreat a child, there should be no other adult interested in being in a fucking relationship with you. None. You don't mistreat children. Children are weaker. They depend on you. They don't have any resources outside of you. They trust that you're going to do the best thing for them because you're what they have and you're what they, what and they're what you chose. And you mistreat a child? No. There should be no adult person wanting to fuck with you if you mistreat a child. And you know, I've had conversations with people even about beating kids, you know, like, "Oh, I got my ass beat and I'll beat his ass." And that kind of shit. I'm like, "No, nah, you know what?" I got a problem. That's an issue for me. I don't understand striking a child and loving the child with the same hands. I don't understand that. That's hard for me to understand. But these kids that I see coming in and they've had their ass kicked, kicked by grownups in their life. And they're supposed, and they're being conditioned for that shit. That's how people end up in a bum-ass relationships with somebody else mistreating them because they associate that shit with love. We have to, man, we really have to be conscious of how we're treating children, giving them an opportunity to have a life. We fuck these kids up. We And I, shit, I done talked about my shit with my mom. I done talked about my shit with my dad. Other adults in my life, when I was growing up and, the tug of war between those two and this I, and my shit was minor my shit was minor compared to some other shit but you think you oh, man you cannot be you cannot mistreat a child that's some punk ass shit to mistreat a child because that child is already helpless that's some punk ass shit so that's crazy. And I think
passionate about it because I deal with the kids. Like I see them and I see their expressions and I see their bruises and I see shit. Some of my kids even been sex trafficking and their parents know the mama know, but the mama let them go because the mama get money pimping your own fucking child out. And it's, it's some sick shit out there, like for real sick shit. So, you know, I, you know, I just don't, you know, it happens and people swear by it, you know, getting whoopings and, you know, beating their kids. And I understand you're trying to teach them. You want them to, you want them to learn. You want to teach them. You want to, and you, the same kids you beating are the same kids that, are afraid to speak up when somebody's mistreating them because they haven't been able to speak up before that somebody's mistreating them. Like, so you can't go to school and be like, mama kicked my ass because you go back home, what your mama gonna do? Kick your ass again for telling and tell you, I'll go to jail, you telling on me? There's a whole big emotional thing behind that. Be like, man, please. So now the kid is conditioned to get their ass kicked. You wanna know why they in a suck ass relationship? Because it's what they fucking know. We're talking and uh, we literally have to be careful with what we're doing to children mistreating them using them for sex trafficking them being them not feeding them manipulating them lying to them all of that shit i i have a little girl in my class she's she's such a master manipulator she's a master fucking manipulator she's so quick the other kids can't even keep up she be twirling their asses and they ready to fight each other and she manipulated the whole thing so one day in class i said i said i told you guys to not deal with her and she was in class because i sometimes we, we got issues and we'll talk about the issue in the class and i'll tell them i told y'all not to deal with her she is a manipulator she's gonna pass it get y'all mad at each other ready to fight and y'all don't even have a reason she's just orchestrating this whole thing and she stopped talking and looked at me and i said what is it you know because i ain't mad at nobody what is it and she said i am a manipulator i said i know you are she said i know i go to therapy for it i said good she said but you know what i was telling my therapist that's all i know that's I've been manipulated my whole life. That's all I know. It's like I don't even know how to deal with somebody. Like honestly, all I know is try to get them to do something. And she said that, and because of the way she articulated it, I believed that she was in therapy for it because she had been talking about it. And that's a big deal for you. Get the 13, 14 year old Massaman. I I would I could put her hand down with some grown folks, and she would wear her ass out. Mm-hmm. That's how good she is. She's a great manipulator. So when you're teaching your kids and stuff and then you're surprised when they grow up and then they doing some off the wall shit, look at the source. Where did it come from? Look at the source. So, you know, that's what we have to just kind of be careful about, you know, mistreating the kids. And tonight wasn't supposed to be about the kids, but I guess it was because this is what it turned into. We have to Taking care of the kids is the most important thing that we have to do. And like my child, I have three children, two adult daughters, and um, my son is a junior in high school. And let me tell you something. One of the things I say to them, and they have, I've said it a long time, my job is to raise them to be fucking adults. They don't get to leech off me. I'm not holding them hostage. I'm not making them think I'm the only 
on the only train going and they got to hitch a ride. No, that's not. To me, that's manipulation and it's controlling. I don't want to control them. I've always felt the need to teach them to grow and live their own life and figure out what they want. As a matter of fact, I was riding with my son today and I said, I said, did we decide, are we going to go to school to um, be an anesthesiologist? I said, is that what we decided? And he said, we, that's who he said, we. And I said, we, he said, I will decide what I'm going to school for. And I started laughing. I said, I know, I'm just messing with you. I said, I just thought that after we talked to Dr. Rossi that you were asking him all those questions, you might be interested in anesthesiology. And he said, he laughed and he said, uh, I have to, she, he said, I, I have to decide what I'm gonna do. I said, I know. I said, I would never push you into anything. And he said, I know you wouldn't. I said, um, are you still leaning towards the PharmD program? And he said, I am. And I said, okay, that's fine. You know, whatever you want. Like, and that's how, that's literally what I tell my children, whatever you want, because whatever you want and knowing that you got to take care of yourself, <laughs> whatever you want, got to be some shit that's going to take care of you because I'm not taking care of you. I can't cripple you or put you in a bad position to live a life for your wife or his wife and kids or my daughter and their husband and their kids. I can't put them in a situation that they've got to come to me. I've got to put them in a situation that they believe in the decisions that they can make for themselves. So that's a big deal for me. And I wholeheartedly believe whatever time it takes, whatever time it takes for them to get to where they can spread their wings and fly, fuck it. Let it take that time. I'd rather I'd rather mother and help out and whatever and reinforce and guide for until they're 30 than to cripple them for the rest of their lives. And that, you know, that's for me, that's the truth. One of my sister-in-law said one time, she said, I don't want my kids to ever be short on anything, short on money. If they're short on a bill, if they're short on the this or they're short on the this, they can come to me and I'm going to give it to them. I don't want them to struggle like that. And I was like, since we are not the same, because my kids, they'll struggle three times. They'll struggle three times. I bet they had that shit right the fourth. They'll figure that shit out three times. They'll have it right the fourth. I'd rather them do that than to have them think they can come to me every time they've made a decision to fuck up their finances. Because you know your bills are coming. Like, that's not a surprise. So that's a big deal for me. I've, and I think I've done a pretty good job of raising some independent kids. Not to say they don't ask me for money or help with something or have a conversation about. Or, but they're, not, they're really just pretty independent. And I'm pleased with that. But I knew for one thing, you don't, I got, I have my own purpose. I got uh, my path to travel. So I can't be putting myself in a situation to be held hostage by them. Like I literally need for them to grow the fuck up. Like I, and I've given, I give them that. I've given them that for years. When my oldest daughter was about seven, we were at a restaurant like at Applebee's or Bennigan's or something. I don't even think they have Bennigan's anymore. Like Applebee's or Bennigan's or something. And she, the check came and I gave her the credit card and was like, okay, 
you know, so you're going to give it a credit card. This is what the balance is. We got to figure out what we're going to leave for a tip. So we go through this whole big thing. And I remember my ex-husband saying something like, you just let her do too much. You She'll be running away by the time she's 15 or 16. And he's just going on and on. And I said, well, at least she'll know how to take care of herself. At least she'll know how to take care of herself. So it ain't a negative thing that the kids know how to take care of themselves. The negative thing is when they don't know how to take care of themselves. That's the issue. And so, you know, it's a big deal for me. I, and I make sure, shit, they ordered their own food. I didn't talk for them. I encourage conversation. You know, and these are the same things I did with my kids. And they're growing up in the house with me. It's the same thing I do with my kids that I teach in the classroom. When they act out or have a problem in class, I'm not calling their family. And that's one of the things they will say, call home and talk. to. I was like, the fuck I'm going to call home and talk to those people for? They know their kid is bananas. They tired of hearing this shit and they're not going to do anything about it except get the kid home and beat them again because they got another phone call. In here is where we learn to be responsible and be accountable for our actions. I'm not calling home. I'm not... I had a a little boy in my class, think of this, 15 in the eighth grade. This was my first year at this school. 15 years old in the eighth grade. So that says he fell, what, like three times? So 15 years old, I call his mom or his grandmother. And I was just like, well, I'm trying to forge a relationship with him. What do I need to do? And you know what they said to me? Give him some chocolate. He loves chocolate. He'll do anything for chocolate. I was like, this little motherfucker, 15, you want me to bribe his ass with some chocolate when he need to be punching a fucking clock somewhere working? Like, and you, but that's the thought process. Give him something and he'll do right. I was like, I'm not giving him anything. I'm not doing it. Well, I just don't know how to get you to do anything different. I was like, oh, we'll figure some shit out, but I'm not bribing this almost man with some chocolate to sit his ass down and do his work in the eighth grade and he's 15. That's the shit right there. We hold these kids hostage. We don't give them the tools and the resources to take care of themselves. And it's a lot of grown motherfuckers, right? If you single and dating, when is the last time you ask a motherfucker if they graduated high school? We don't ask that. When people single and they meet somebody, you don't ask, well, did you graduate high school? You assume they graduated high school because they're older, 30, 35, 40, whatever your age range did you date. Ask them, did you graduate? Where'd you, where'd you graduate? Did you go to college? What'd you do after high school? Ask those questions. We don't go back because we feel like if they've gotten to this point, that no longer matters. It fucking matters. If you haven't been able to get through school, whether it's a GED, completion, diploma, if you haven't been able to get through that, and a lot of that shit is given to you. If you can't, if you haven't gotten through, gotten through that, that already lets you know the extent of what the life looks like for that person and what their drive is and what their motivation is. Because they're hindered by that. And you already, if they haven't done that, hell, they're probably not even good readers. 
that's the shit that comes as a surprise and people start acting out in relationships and they got to go find somebody else to spend time with because now their shit is coming to life in the relationship. This is real. This is serious shit. This is serious shit. And it's out there. And I ain't saying don't fuck with a motherfucker because they didn't graduate high school. What I'm saying is if you know someone's aptitude for learning it'll probably put you in a better position to deal with them if that's what you want to do if you know their aptitude for emotional availability and a lot of women say men are emotionally available they don't fucking know how to be emotionally available when would they have done that all they've had to do was sit down, be quiet, stay the fuck out of their mama way while she ran everything and he ain't learned shit. He ain't learned nothing. He just had to sit there and wait for somebody to tell him when to eat, what to do, how to do, what to do, blah, 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 blah. Anybody, that's not something that's been taught. So you really do meet people who are shut down emotionally because they haven't had an opportunity to explore healthy emotions, healthy sexual relationships healthy sexual information it's a lot of damage that happens in the childhood and we have to see that in people in adults you see it in people you work with that's why i'm telling y'all pull out that fucking maslow's hierarchy of needs to see where people are that you're dealing with people can sit up talk about people talk down to people, judge people, sit in this yucky ass space. They're basic. They're very basic in their development because that's not where you exist when you are growing and who you are. You don't exist in this basic space. You're growing on so you can be of your purpose. So we just, just really just have to be aware of people, aware of yourself in the presence of people and when shit doesn't feel good to you or somebody's trying to pull you down into a bottomless pit of nothing with them so you can say no to that shit and no to not feel obligated to be in that shit no thank you and leave and the first thing they'll start trying to do is pull you back in it because they need somebody in it with them they want somebody in there and why not you why not you? You're progressing. You're doing well. You've got money. You got your shit together. You know what? Shit, it was a somebody on Facebook said that this man is good looking and he don't want to work and he don't want to something. Will you let him stay with you? Who the fuck? Who cares if he's good looking? He ain't going to work. Who wants? Am I going to adopt him? Is he going to be my child? And I'm going to take care of him. That's essentially what we're saying. But you think because he looks good, that should be reason for him to stay. That's a basic thought process. Ooh, that looks good. I'm going to keep it. It doesn't matter if it's dumb as a doorknob or shit. All, none of that matters. They're just thinking because it looks good, you're going to keep it. That lets people let you know how people think women are basic as hell and that they go just off look. We go off looks. And sometimes we do go off looks. But that don't mean I'm not trying to adopt a child. I got a son. I'm not, I wouldn't adopt another one. <laughs> right? <laughs> so a lot of these issues that plague these children Children that are caught in the system, the children that caught that are in the system, they end up as as adults.
And sometimes they're adults in the system or they're adults trying to camouflage or trying to blend into a place that they don't have any experience. And you still meet them in social spaces, clubs, lounges, uh, skating. A lot of people go skating, bowling, wherever you meet people. Tinder, Jesus, any of the social dating sites, Facebook, Instagram, blah, 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 blah. You meet them in those spaces. And they're, if they're fucked up, they're still fucked up. They haven't gotten any therapy. They haven't gotten any treatment. They haven't acknowledged their issues. You end up getting with them. And the next thing you say is, oh, he was a mama's boy. His mama did. His mama, guess what? His mama always did it. That ain't new. You ain't finna get the mama to stop. You ain't finna get him to go against his mama to get her to stop. You ain't finna get her to go against her dad to get her to stop being a daddy's girl. You ain't, None of that shit's gonna happen. They've been conditioned to be in those ultra negative ass relationships. That shit don't go away. So you just have to be careful with people that you meet and how you allow them to come into your life. You can't fix them. There's nothing about you that can fix them. It doesn't matter how much you love them, how good you are, how smart you are, how beautiful you are, how handsome you are, how creative you are. You can't fix them. Move away. None of that. You can't fix them. It would have to literally be something that they facilitated on their own to fix, to be better about. They would literally have to facilitate that movement. You can't do it. And the only thing that you're going to do about trying to force yourself into a relationship with them or force them into a higher uh, level of understanding, the only thing you're going to do is debilitate yourself and drag yourself down. So beware. And if you have interested in fostering children, foster some kids. Volunteering at schools, go volunteer at school. If you were a student, if you were a child that was mistreated and you found your way out, and you were in the system or whatever, if you have any, any compassion or any desire to work with kids, go to your local school and volunteer. Volunteer whatever, mentor, be a community coach, community cheer coach, girls group, go. There are children out there that need somebody and it might be you, it might be you. So put yourself out there, put yourself in a position to love somebody outside of yourself when you're ready. You may not be ready now. You may be older, you know, when you feel like you have the time and the resources and the understanding of what it would take. Put yourself out there. There are kids out there that need somebody to love them, like desperately need somebody to love them. If you're in the Tampa area, shit, I, you can come to my classroom and volunteer in my classroom. It's kids out there that need somebody to hear them, to understand them, to converse with them. They are desperate for attention. So um, it's 10 o'clock already. My goodness, I've talked about children all night and mistreating each other and how not to do that. And uh, this is Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed. We have um, past episodes available on Pandora. That's only been about two weeks now. So Pandora, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, YouTube, and Spotify. So we have seven platforms that are running our stuff. 
We have um, books available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Audible. So stuff is out there. We're growing fast, fast, fast. On March 28th, I'll be in Atlanta for a reading at Maduro Cigar Lounge. It's on Cumberland Parkway. That's March 28th. That's in my um, bio and um, it's on Eventbrite as well. So tons of stuff happening and uh, remember, uh, when joy is exposed, everything just feels better. Mwah. Have a good night. Bye.